What's up, man? Well, Mike, today we're going to talk about one of my absolute favorite decks, and we've referenced it enough on here already. I think that's what led you to uh, to want to talk a little bit more about it, and I'm certainly happy to talk about it. And that deck is uh, the Promised Hugs, a group hug Emrakul deck. We've referenced the Emrakul group hug deck, which, again, forgive Panic at the, dis- uh, at the Disco, but uh, Walking Contradiction. But not. I, I've I've seen it's you play this album. deck. It's it's a very good album, um, and it's a good deck. Um, it's it's odd the first time that it hits the table because it's it's one of those commanders just like when you see, no offense when you see Nekasar across. Oh, of course, the it, table. she's a scary girl. There's no question about that. It it hits the table and everybody goes, <gasps> oh no, and you say, no, it's okay. <laughs> this is scary, but. And I've been in mon- and, and many of those conversations where I've heard that, no, don't worry, this isn't bad. And then turn three, I say, you are a liar. <laughs> this is not that deck, at least not up front and immediately because of the way you play it. Um, and you've sent me over your deck list, which, first of all, um, the amount of cataloging and effort that's gone into this is, even for me, it, it's... It's pretty astounding. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at all of the changes that have happened uh, since this deck has been made, including all of the removes and what you've added for them, and categories, which most people look into and say, okay, well, you know, it has this many lands, it has this much ramp, it has this much draw, and this much what the deck actually does. You go into a little bit more detail, and we'll talk about that. But what we should start with is, Alex, how does this deck work? What does this deck do? Sure, Mike. I'd just be overjoyed to answer that question. So this is a new kind of group hug deck with a new kind of group hug commander, and that is Emrakul, the Promised End. Uh, Let's go ahead and read Emrakul. She is a 13 mana commander for 1313 legendary creature Eldrazi. No colors, and Emrakul the Promised End costs one less to cast for each card type among cards in your graveyard. And when you cast Emrakul the Promised End, you gain control of target opponents during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn. And she has Flying, Trample, and Protection from Instance. And her flavor text says, An enigma as vexing as life itself. Uh, now, there is another Emrakul that is banned uh, that's from uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. We're not talking about that one. We're talking mm-hmm. about the uh, Innistrad one. Right, Shadows of Innistrad. We're not, we're not talking about the bad because it's so bad that it's banned, Emrakul. We're talking about the one that it hits the table and everybody goes, oh, no, that's really bad, Emrakul. Right. But again, with some with some caveats, some uh, an asterisk or two. Okay. So, she's, so that's Emrakul. Yeah. yeah. She's the only commander in the game that can take control of another player. She's the only commander in a game that can grant another player an extra turn. 
That's two things that only this commander can do. So she's both a powerful political tool, right, and a horrifically deadly weapon. Now, the question that this deck offers you, its pilot, is will your opponents receive the blessing of Emrakul's extra turns, or <laughs> will they fear your wrath as you completely sunder their board state beyond any possible repair? That's that's really the question at the heart of this deck. So Grip Hub Emrakul is it's a multifaceted challenge to build and pilot. Uh, mana fixing and colorless is is really second to none, though, right? Because <laughs> there's right. no colors. Even if you have a colorless mana pip, that's no problem. Uh, but the other side of the coin is that we really have severe restrictions on what cards we can run. We can only run colorless cards. And when I say colorless, I mean you can't run any cards with any colored mana pips anywhere on them. So if we're talking about, like, Bosch, Iron Golem, right? That's a red color ID card. Even though it's a artifact creature with no red in its mana cost, it has a red activated ability, so we wouldn't be able to run that. We're very, very restricted in the type of cards we can run. Um, but if Colorless had a color identity, it would be uh, you can do anything you want, but it's going to cost you through the nose. Um, removal costs <laughs> a lot. Card draw costs a lot. Uh, everything costs a lot. Uh, and this, this leads right into the first challenge the first red flag we're going to address here and that is that emrakul is 13 cmc mike uh yeah wow that's that's a lot of mana um uh, yeah buddy and <laughs> how are you how are you getting to that point i mean yes it does it does reduce its own cost a little, a bit, little bit card types in your own graveyard bit. which is nice but that's that that feels like getting uh the mint on your pillow at a hotel that's costing you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Like, okay, I appreciate it, but holy cow, 13 mana. Yeah, it's, it's up there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a more expensive commander in the game. This is definitely in the top couple of most expensive commanders. So a 13 CMC commander is already expensive enough. You cast her once, but this deck wants to cast her as many times as possible during the game to continuously yeah. mind-slave our opponents. So we're really spending a lot of mana in this deck. Um, and ramp is abundant. We're going to talk about how many ramp effects we have. There's a lot. Um, because hard-casting Emrakul is really going to be our blunt edge most of the time. You would think that we would want to try to cheat her out as much as we can. There's really not that many effects in Colorless that let you cheat your commander out. But there is one that I want to bring up. Um, and that is Geode Golem. Uh, Geode Golem yeah. came out in Commander 18, and oh, I was so happy. I cannot believe this card isn't more popular. Geode Golem is a 5 generic mana cost artifact creature golem. It's a 5-3 with Trample. Whenever Geode Golem deals combat damage to a player, you may cast your commander from the command zone without paying its mana cost. You still pay additional costs. Wow. Mike, that is, that's the five-finger discount right there. That is the exact kind of effect that this deck would love to have more of, but there just isn't that much of it. Um, and, and we do want to keep this in mind. Even though we are casting, for example, if we were to attack a player with Geo Golem and deal combat damage and get that trigger, you still need to pay additional costs. So for every time that you've cast your commander from the command zone each game, it will cost an additional two generic mana. 
which means the second time we cast Emrakul, she'll cost 15, and the next time she'll cost 17. Now, as, as Mike said, and as we read off of Emrakul's card, she does reduce her own cost slightly um, for each card type among cards in your graveyard. So we'll we'll get to that a little bit, but uh, but that's that's just a a little bit of help. That's not really gonna. There's not thirteen card types, right? There's only there's only eight, right? Um, Jude Golem not only allows us to cheat out Emrakul as early as say turn four, but if we have a sacrifice outlet like High Market or Mirror in the Moaning Well, both nice utility lands, we'll get to. Uh, we can be mind-slaving somebody every single turn, and that's that's our goal. When our deck is mind-slaving somebody every turn, we're we're on track. Now, unfortunately, uh, colorless is a little bit slim on tutors, right? We we do have a few in here, but there's really not too many, and and I. Even though even though colorless tutors are incredibly inefficient, I don't like to run too many of them because that can make the deck too consistent. Um, and yeah, and and we want we want uh, Geogolem to be a nice surprise, right? When that ha- when right. that happens, that's a very special game where we're going to have a lot of power. So the rest of the time, when we're not using our our cheat out cards, we're going to use mana rocks, um, and we'll we'll get to those in quite a minute. But uh, let's let's go to the the other part of Emrakul, the the interesting part, not the cost reduction, but controlling <laughs> another player. Now, this effect is not unique to Emrakul. It is unique to her as a commander, but we have a lot of different effects like that. We have uh, Sorin, we have Mindslaver, the artifact, uh, have have quite a few different effects. But what do we do when we're controlling another player? Because we're spending all this effort to get Emrakul out on the table. She's 13 mana. We're ramping into her. We're doing everything we can to get to her. We're controlling another player. What's the plan? N- exactly. Because no. you're talking about uh, you're talking about a commander here that it, you, you made a very unique style of deck. It is a group hug. I'm going to take your turn. You still want to win the game somehow. I, and, I, and I've seen you win the game with this deck. It's a, it's a powerful deck. But it's it's not a take the turn and immediately try and screw somebody over just because you can. Sometimes it's that. But it's, it's much more of a political... It is group hug. But I lean toward... And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I lean much more towards that this is a political deck that has group hug flavor to it you you could argue that um i think that most of my group hug decks have a political flavor because i think the most powerful aspect of group hug as we talked about is its influence as a political tool that allows you to to sort of meld the board in in your image but let's uh let's talk a little bit about about what we can do with emrakul's ridiculously powerful mind slave ability so please i'm terrified <laughs> As, as you alluded to, uh, we really have two options, and we, we mentioned that briefly. We can effectively give completely free reign to somebody, right? We'll give them nearly complete control of their turn. Of course, they don't get to do anything that we don't want them to do, like, right. you know, wipe the board or anything like that. Vandal Blast just said, no, 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 you're not casting that. 
But other than that, <laughs> you can just let them do whatever they want to do. Play out their turn. Have a good time. Uh, or we can just make their lives completely miserable. We can we can just ruin their entire day. So the first one is kind of self-explanatory, right? You you say, hey, I notice you're behind on the board state. You've missed land yeah. drops. So go ahead and take... Yeah. Basically, what will happen is is they'll take a normal turn that you have, you know, full oversight over. If they try to do something you don't want them to do, you can say no and just say, hey, you do what you want. And then after that turn ends, they're going to get an extra turn. And during that turn, they can do whatever they want. But presumably, since you've been, you know, giving them a very expensive present, they're not going to then stab you in the back. It's possible, but it usually doesn't happen. Um, that That's kind of self-explanatory. They do what they want. What's the other side of the coin? Making their lives miserable, wrecking their entire day. What does that mean when I say that? So my favorite trick is to sacrifice, destroy, exile, tuck their commander, and then choose not to return it to the command zone. Yeah, That is the number one day-ruining, just spit-in-your-food, mean boy, rudest thing you can do, and... Boy, howdy, Mike. It is extremely effective. It it wrecks people. So, yes, we are allowed to make this choice because when we control another player, we can make any decisions that they would make. Um, and against many decks, this is devastating. In a previous episode, we talked a bit about uh, trying to make sure that your deck can, can run without your commander. Function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's an excellent tip. A lot of people, Mike, they don't follow that tip. Um, I don't. I don't really follow that tip. <laughs> but uh, well, actually, do you know what you know what prompted me to to give out that advice? That? So there's this one time I was sitting across the table from somebody who was playing an Emrakul, the Promised End deck. Oh, and it was you. Oh, and I was playing the uh, the Azuri Renegade. Uh, no, the the Claw of Progress. Yeah, we got to lock commander. that sucker down. I think I got both sides of the coin. In that same game, yeah. I missed a couple of land drops. Like here, Mike, have a presence. Yeah, and and you got me there to where I, my next card that I drew was a cultivate, and I played that out, and and then the turn after that, I did scary stuff, and you went, oh no, that doesn't get to happen anymore. <laughs> Emmercool came back, and you know, did the hey, let me just hug your head a little bit, and and you did, and the first time it was a nice soothing mm -hmm. caress. It's okay, buddy. Everything's going to be mm. fine. We're going to give you another turn. Find some lands. Good job. And then the second time, the, it started hugging me. And I was like, oh, this is nice. This is a little bit tighter than I... I, I oh, oh, I'm being... Okay, okay, cool. Oh, wow, we've killed Azuri and now he is in my graveyard? That's... Well, he's kind of important to make the deck go. <laughs> you can... Because the thing you need to remember when you're controlling another player is that you can still cast instant speed spells and activate instant speed abilities on your board. So, for example, if you had a Swords to Plowshares, you could Swords their commander at instant speed, and then, as you are controlling the other player, choose to keep their commander in exile permanently, and they are never getting that thing back. Um, so Mike really enumerated on on just how powerful and unique an experience it is to be judged by this strange and uncaring god um yeah the promised end it's 
it can be it can lift you up to the highest highs and it can just sweep your legs out from under you and then crush your skull it's it can really go either way and and as you as you said and as as we were just talking about a lot of decks too many probably are completely dependent upon their commander they think okay it's only a 3 cmc 4 cmc 5 cmc commander even if it gets knocked out twice i can still get it back they're not prepared for a commander being permanently removed from the game or effectively permanently now putting the commander in the graveyard yes if they have a bajuka bog if they have rest in peace they can exile their own graveyard and get it back to the command zone that that can happen and you don't want to have to rely on that so that's that's the meanest thing we can do and and we do if if we really need to shut some someone down hard we can do that but we don't have to do that there are other things we can do <laughs> we don't have to do that it's mean when we do that it's fun when oh we it's do that. very Let's fun be honest <laughs> it's incredibly yeah. fun there's very few strategies that your commander's going to go away work well with it's 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 kind of intense uh it, but it's it makes for a very fun political game to be playing inside the game and that's part of why i was so excited to talk about this deck and have you talk to our listeners about absolutely it. um so why don't we get into some of the things because again it's a 13 mana card it has these ridiculously powerful effects and you want to be able to cast it multiple times like you said that's the blunt edge not necessarily cheating cheating it out but getting it out there as much as possible so why don't we lean into some of the ways that you're able to make that happen sure so we already talked about geode golem right mm -hmm. geode golem fantastic great card we're not always going to be able to get that card um we want to have some other tools that will allow us to to get the commander out and part of getting the commander out is not just ramp, which we will get to. It's also getting Emrakul off the board so that we can cast her again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that would require sacrifice outlets, and and we do have a couple of those. We have High Market, and High Market is a land that uh, tap to add a colorless and tap to sack a creature. You gain one life. Great land. We also have Mirror in the Mirror in the Moaning Well, uh, which is a legendary land with tap add colorless to your mana pool and pay three tap and sacrifice a creature, you gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Now, life gain isn't, in a, gain, in a deck that isn't a life gain deck, typically isn't desirable, but three mana 13 gain life. 13 <laughs> life and also sack your commander. Right, a, which wants to be sacked. It's a pretty good effect. Yeah, yeah. Thir 13 I, I think life. the return on investment there is okay. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um we have, a, we have a couple of other options as well. We have uh, Trading Post. Great artifact. Great artifact. Let's talk about all the different things that, that Trading Post can do. Trading Post is a four-mana artifact with four different activated abilities. The first one is Pay One and Tap and Discard a Card. You gain four life. Uh, the, the second one is the one I just use all the time when I'm dirtling, which is great. Uh, pay One, Tap It, and Pay a Life create a zero one white goat creature token that is a great effect uh just on any turn where you're not using any of the other abilities just make a blocker yeah make a blocker no problem at all the third ability is pay one tap and sacrifice a creature 
uh, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. This is the big one. Uh, this is the one that I'll use if I need to sacrifice Embercool or another one of my creatures. And then as a bonus, I'm recurring an artifact, which, uh, as we'll get to, this deck is is largely artifacts. Like it's it's like half artifacts. Um, well, that's what that that's what happens when you have colorless and need as much ramp as possible. Yeah. That's reliable, so it's it's understandable at the exactly. Very least. The final ability is pay one tap and sacrifice an artifact, draw a card. This is nice if uh, if somebody's trying to steal one of your artifacts or somebody's wiping the board anyway. Just gotta sacrifice it so it doesn't get exiled or or what have you. Um, Trading post is just it's good value. It has a lot of different options for things that you can do. It's I would say it's solid in any artifact deck, but it's definitely solid in this deck. Oh, for sure. Because as we said, we want to be able to sacrifice Emrakul at instant speed um, just for any eventuality, right? And we have... We have a couple more options, right? We can, instead of sacrificing Emrakul, we could bounce her. And that actually has its own benefits because when you bounce a commander to your hand... Uh, and then you want to hardcast her again, you don't have to pay the additional command tax. You only pay the, the listed number, uh, which is then, of course, discounted from, from her ability. So we have a couple of things that can do that. We have a card called Erratic Portal, which is a four-mana artifact that has one and tap. And uh, it says, return target creature to its owner's hand unless its controller pays one. Um, we're not going to pay the one, Mike. I... No. <laughs> We're not going to pay the one. Now, this this does... If somebody's tapped out, you can, like, bounce their commander. That's that's nice. Usually, I use it to bounce Emrakul, cast her again, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also have Sanctum of Eternity, which came out last year, uh, which is a land that says tap at a colorless, and it has another ability, pay two and tap, return target commander you own from the battlefield to your hand, activate this ability only during your turn. This is great. If, if you have a, a commander that is important to you and it's important to your deck you want to have ways to make sure that you retain control of it because if somebody steals your commander it is very very hard for you to get it back because you can't sacrifice it anymore you can't destroy it anymore realist i mean it's it's going to be a lot harder to get it back you're going to have to spot remove it or wipe the board um but if you if you have one of these options available to you a bounce a sacrifice outlet you can retain control of your commander. And for this deck, that's very important. And for many decks, that's very important. We have one more. Mirage Mirror. It's a jack of all trades. Yeah. Now, Mirage Mirror is just a great, great artifact. It's three mana artifacts. It has the activated ability pay two. Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's a clone effect that lasts for one turn. It's fantastic. And great part about that is you can have mirage mirror become a copy of emrakul the promised end and then when the legend <laughs> rule takes effect you sacrifice the og emrakul and put her in the command zone um so that's that's how we're we're working with emrakul to mind slave mike what's uh what aspect of the deck do you think we should go with next year so we're talking a little bit as far as the mind slaving and the way that you're making it happen mm -hmm. which is good because I, again that's the idea of the deck um i think with us keying in on the fact that emrakul is 13 mana and 
does get a little bit of a cost reduction built into the card. This is again, it's 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 a mono, it, it's it's a colorless deck. There is a ton of ramp necessary to actually make the deck wheel and deal and get Emrakul out there as many times as possible. So why don't we go through some of that, some of that ramp because some of these cards are the standards that yeah. everybody knows about, yeah. and then there's a lot more that. I don't think people consider nearly as often as they should. Absolutely. We, we do have a lot of standard ones. We have our Soul Ring. We have our Mana Crypt. Uh, we don't really have to go over those. Mox Opal. These, these are the very standard high power ramp pieces that you would expect to see in a deck that's trying to go very fast. Um, we're not really going to get into those. We're going to talk about some of the more strange ramp pieces that you may not have seen or played with before let's start with blink moth urn this is one of my favorite cards mike this is a five mana artifact that says at the beginning of each player's pre-combat main phase if blink moth urn is untapped that player adds colorless to their mana pool for each artifact they control <sighs> wow uh so this deck as as again you'll see it has uh <laughs> it is over 50 artifacts in it Yep. And this isn't just this isn't just raw value for me and it is incredible value. Um this is a this is a mana donation effect and this is a a political group hug style deck. If there's somebody else at the table with some mana rocks out, suddenly those mana rocks are giving uh even more mana because they're adding free mana to their mana pool every turn. This is a, a fantastic group hug effect. It it's a little bit difficult to justify in most decks, Mike, because it's a five mana artifact, and when it comes out, nothing happens, right? That that's kind of a feel bad, and then it goes around the table. Everybody else gets to use it before you do, but if it comes back to you, and you get to untap with it, I mean, the sky's the limit. You can make so much mana off this bad boy, and Mirage Mirror is perfect for this card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other thing going with that is, it is, again, it is a symmetrical effect, but symmetrical with air quotes, mm -hmm. because the way that you have built this deck with you having 50 artifacts means that you are in a position to take care of yourself way better with this card than anybody else is. They can expect it, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be on the same level to actually get as much use or as much mana out of oh, it. Oh, yeah. More importantly... This is one of those symmetric effects that you have the capability of turning off. Mm -hmm. Most don't. <laughs> and I, I there have been several times where I've I've seen you play this card and go, hmm. Well None for you. Looking at the current current boar state, I'm gonna get one colorless mana on my turn. And if that survives until his next turn, he is looking at one, two, three, 27 mana. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I am sure that that's not going to be a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Hey, Fantastic. with that much mana, we can cast my commander two times. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's, yep. Oh, it's great. We uh, let's, let's get to the next interesting ramp card here. Clock of Omens. This is a four-mana artifact, and this is a real sleeper, you guys. Uh, when I was not originally running this card, this is one of those cards that I put in, and I was surprised. It says, tap two untapped artifacts you control, untapped target artifact. Now, I saw that, and I'm like, eh, well, I mean, sure, that's good. You're untapping artifacts. 
but you know you're never going to break even because you have to untap you know tap two untapped artifacts no 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 <laughs> this card is bonkers powerful bonkers yeah oh it's so strong as we'll go through this card included uh, many of my artifacts do not need to be tapped to make mana or to do what i need them to do so this card right here is one of those two cards that you can tap to untap a mana rock or anything else that I need to untap. It's uh, it's quite great. And also, it says untap target artifact, not target artifact you control. So this can be used right. to donate mana to another player or untap one of their artifact creatures so they can use it as a blocker at instant speed. There's a lot of different things you can do with this card. And again, I wasn't originally convinced that this card was worth running, but... I put it in just to see how it played, and it completely blew me out of the water, Mike. Let's move to the next card, which people may be familiar with, but this card is is not very common from what I've seen, and that's that's Doubling Cube, which is a two-mana artifact, and it has an activated ability. Pay three and tap it. Double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool. Now, that sounds bonkers. And this card is very expensive. Um, I'm not really sure why. Maybe it hasn't been reprinted in a while. But it's uh, it sounds a lot stronger than it is for most decks, right? Because let's let's crunch the numbers on this. You would need seven mana in your mana pool to generate mana from that ability, because you're paying three. And if you have six mana, for example, you're paying three, it'll take you down to three, then you double, that takes you back up to six. So at six mana, you're breaking even. At seven mana, you're generating mana. Pay three, now you're at four, that'll take you up to eight. Um, but with this deck, we're generating so much mana, and we need to get to these higher echelons of mana, get up to 13. This can get you from nine to 13, and that's a big jump. Um... Our next one here is Forsaken Monument. This one's brand new. This just came out in Zendikar. Forsaken Monument is a five mana legendary artifact that says colorless creatures you control get plus two plus two. Whenever you tap a permanent for colorless mana, add an additional colorless mana. And whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. I don't really care about the other two. I care about the middle one. And... It's a great effect because tapping a permanent, that means all of my utility lens, which we'll get to later on, they all tap for more than one mana. All of my mana rocks are tapping for more mana because they all tap for colorless. This card is fantastic. It's a lot of value. This deck is really good about making you do the uncomfortable smile, like at uh, the the Simpsons meme of being on the bus. I'm in danger that, <laughs> that every time that every time that we're talking oh, about cards yes. in this, I, I make I'm both excited and just like uh, maybe it'll be fine. I love the amount of ambiguity this deck has. Our next card is is a group hug staple, but maybe some of you who aren't in, in group hug metas haven't seen this one. Gyropper Orrery. Yeah! Yeah, this is a four mana artifact, and boy, group hug decks just love this one. Each player may play an additional land on each of their turns, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, if that player has no cards in hand, that player draws three cards. Just value. That's, uh, yeah, that's an extra absolutely. land each turn. That's ramp. And, Mike, it's hard to draw cards in colorless. I have a lot of card draw it on sure this is. deck. 
and frequently you get that problem in your ramp deck. Green players know exactly what I'm talking about. You have so much ramp and so much value, you just cast, 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 you vomit your entire hand onto the battlefield. Whoopsie-daisy, you have no cards in hand, you can't do anything. This is a nice effect because beginning of your uh, upkeep, draw three cards, and then draw a card in your draw step. You have zero cards in hand at the start of your hand, uh, turn, now you have four in hand. And that has triggered for me multiple times. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. I, I've seen I've seen you use the trading post ability to discard a card to get to no cards <laughs> I in have. hand. I have to done draw that, three yes. cards. And I just went Well that's that makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> but okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh here's another here's another great one. This one is actually uh sees quite a bit of play in, in competitive EDH, but uh this is this is a bit of a group hug staple for me personally. Helm of Awakening. This is a two mana artifact. All spells cost one less to cast. So, yeah, that's all spells. That's all of my spells. All my mana rocks cost one less. There's no limit on that. If they're a one drop, they can cost zero. And for everybody else at the table, it's making their spells cheaper too. Now, in uh, in a competitive deck, this is allowing you to race out all your, your one mana rocks or now zero mana rocks and just win the game on the spot. But in this deck, it's it's much more, hey, everybody... 5% off on me, you know, free domestic drinks only. <laughs> it's it's a pretty great effect. You It's I like it. It's helm of happy hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, double double appetizers, cheese sticks on the house. This is this is quite an interesting one. Inspiring statuary. This is from uh Ether Revolt. It's a three mana artifact. Non-artifact spells you cast have improvise. What is improvise? Improvises your artifacts can help you cast this spell. Each artifact you tap after activating mana abilities pays for one. So, there's not that many non-artifact spells in this deck. There is one that I can think of. <laughs> the lady herself up top. Um, the fact of the matter is that in this artifact deck, there are a lot of mana rocks. There are also a lot of non-mana rock artifacts. Um... I mean, we were looking at Clock of Omens and talking about this. With this card, Inspiring Statuary, literally every single one of my 50-plus artifacts is now a mana rock to cast my commander with. Which is... Wow. It's a, it's, it's a lot of extra... It's a lot of extra mana for... for three mana. A three yeah. mana artifact. Plus it can turn off uh, symmetrical effects like Blink of All Turn. Yeah, that that was the other part I wanted to get oh. to, <laughs> and 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 it stops some other things. Um, yeah, no, it, this is this is actually a card I, I I wish I saw more of. I in in my equipment auras deck, it's in there, and it's I you know that's that's to cast the commander like yours is, which isn't a thirteen generic cost one. <laughs> so it's 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 in decks that I have that are less efficient with the way that it's used and i'm still happy it's in there in this deck it is it is key it is oh, awesome yeah, and it is oh good oh, yeah. lord <laughs> our next one here is uh one that might be familiar to some of our competitive players some modern players that's a uh, crock clan ironworks yeah that's a four mana artifact with the ability to sacrifice an artifact add two colorless to your mana pool um in in the competitive circuit 
this is part of a, a four artifact combo that basically allows you to net infinite mana or draw infinite cards. And the combo itself is is quite fantastic and, and quite complicated. I do not have that combo in this deck. However, as any EDH player knows, having a sack outlet is powerful. And having a sack outlet that nets you value, I would compare this directly to Ashnod's Altar. Um, I have sacrificed most of my board to cast my commander before. This is a, this is great value even when you're not going infinite with it, which which I choose not to. I'll briefly touch on Manifold Key, which is a modified Voltaic Key. Now, Voltaic Key, we all know, is pay one and tap, untap target artifact, and that has a combo potential. Vintage decks love it. This one's a little bit different. It can't untap itself. It says uh, pay one and tap, untap another target artifact. But it also has a second ability, which is pretty fantastic for this deck. Pay three and tap. Target creature can't be blocked this turn. Yeah... Um, we haven't really touched on this too much, but the win con of this deck is swinging through with Emrakul and winning with commander damage, which is a very effective way to win when your commander is a 13-13, I'll tell you that. Uh, that's that's a two-turn clock is what that is. It don't hurt, at the very least. <laughs> I mean, it hurts to get hit by, but... As far as, uh, oh, it's a 13-13 with other abilities and some protection built into it and mm-hmm. the ability for me to recast it pretty easily, even though it's a 13-13 for 13. Cool. 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 Thanks, Alex. I will Appreciate frequently it. attack with her, deal 13, then sacrifice her and recast her to Monslay that player. That's That's a common occurrence. Anybody listening, the shudder that you just felt go down your spine is normal. It's okay. You don't need to see a doctor for that yet. Um, but we'll see depending on how the rest of this episode goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Manifold Key is awesome. Emrakul is awesome. Absolutely what else we got? Fantastic. Oh, boy. Here we go. I, I Card. I, I don't like the robot with... It looks like it has angry eyes to me. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just jaded at this point because the amount of times it's hit the table and I've immediately thought, oh, the game's over. Why don't we talk about Metalworker and how <laughs> extremely powerful it is, both oh, in general and especially this deck. Metalworker. Uh, this card actually used to be banned in Commander. Not not yeah. a lot of people remember that. But, uh, Mike, I wonder why. I wonder why they would want to ban this card. Such a such a great card. Metalworker is a three mana artifact creature construct. It's a one two, and it has the activated ability that, oh, it's the best activated ability. Tap, reveal any number of artifact cards in your hand, and add two colorless mana for each artifact revealed this way. Oh my god, this card, I. If I ramp into this card, play a Mana Crypt, uh, play this on turn one, and then turn two, tap him, reveal six artifacts in my hand, and cast my commander turn two, I've done it before. And people Uh start shifting in their seats a little bit. (laughs) 
that's a really, really polite way for you to say scoop at instant speed. Yeah. But yes, yeah. yes, no. God. Uh, th- this is why I don't <laughs> run a lot of tutors in the deck, because this combo mic would be so oppressive. I would just get it every time and win every time, right? So this this is always a happy accident when this happens. Um, typically, it's obviously happening later in the game. Now, this card is very, very expensive. This is a $120 card. I have the gold border I think here. Even, and I was going to say, even the gold border is like 30 Yeah, the gold border is like really jumping point, up. It? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good card. Like, it, it's understandable. I The value is just uh, right yeah. off the charts. It's Plus, then you, you include the ability that there's a lot of cards in your deck that like untapping artifacts. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. And there is nothing worse than when a Mirage Mirror turns into a Metal Worker and you're just, oh, okay, cool. So that's all of the mana. I, I did the math. He has all of the mana. Ugh. I, I don't like... I don't like Weird Wally, but holy cow. <laughs> if if Geode Golem is, is my bro, this is... I would say this is my 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 other bro or my my grandson, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you're you're Bell Bay. This uh, is my. <laughs> this is Metalworker is, is Metalworker is awesome. Metalworker is one of the best cards in this entire deck. And if you're running an artifact deck that's running thirty or more artifacts, you should probably be running this card. Now I know it's very expensive, but you know just proxy it. It's not a big deal. A couple of more victory chimes. Victory chimes is a is a three mana artifact. That says, untap victory chimes during each other player's untap step. And then it says, tap a player of your choice adds a colorless mana. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Um, I mean, it's it's a mana rock that untaps itself, which is great. Which is always nice. Every turn. <laughs> and it can give me mana every turn. It can donate mana every turn. I mean, can you... Think about how many times you've been playing the game and, and somebody across from you is like, oh, man, if only I had one more mana, I could do this thing I'm trying to do. You're like, right. hey, buddy, <laughs> I can make that happen for you. What's what? You know, let's talk. Yeah. What can we what can we make happen? And and that's the political angle I love. The last ramp effect we're going to talk about that isn't a land because we have plenty of ramp lands is Walking Atlas. Yeah! Now, Walking Atlas is one of my favorite cards. I am shocked that this card does not see more play outside of green decks. It's a two-mana artifact creature construct. It's a 1-1, and it says, Tap, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Now, green has that effect. Green has no problem doing that at instant speed. What about literally any other color? Yeah, about that. And this isn't just for <laughs> ramping. This is for shenanigans. Mike, have you ever tapped to put out a glacial chasm at instant speed? Uh, I haven't tapped <laughs> to put out a glacial chasm at instant speed. Uh, we'll get to it a little bit later. I have not had a more fun moment on somebody else's combat step than walking Atlasing out a maze of it. Oh yeah. Oh, it's oh, yeah. it's so it feels so good. <laughs> a <laughs> uh, little peek behind the curtain it's a great card uh we we were actually talking about um what cards should we do uh for our lesser known cards and walking atlas it, it is an awesome card and i think you pointed out and i agree with you that it is a well-ish 
known card. It's in that people just don't play. It's in what is it? Six thousand deck? Four thousand decks? About four thousand. Four thousand. But but that's not enough decks. It's not enough. So this is our mini. (laughs) This is our this is our mini podcast inside of a podcast. Walking Atlas is super cool. You should use it more often, especially if you're not playing green. Ding. All right, moving on. (laughs) Walking Atlas is great. All right, so Alex, this is how we get out our commander pretty consistently. This is how we sacrifice it to get it back out there. This is what the Mind Slaver effects are and how we're able to repeat them. How are you keeping a full hand in this deck? You know, we we talked about the gear per uh, Ori, but that's that's one of those things that has to have a very very certain win or a very very certain effect going on for you to refill your hand. So how are you? keeping things in your hand to be able to keep going with this deck. Yeah, that's the funny thing, Mike. Even though there's about 30 effects in the deck that you could call card advantage, keeping your hand full in a colorless deck is surprisingly difficult. Um, So let's go through some of the things that we need to stoop to to keep our hand full in a colorless deck. Let's start with Endbringer. This is one of the few Eldrazi I have in the deck. This is a five and a colorless for an Eldrazi creature, five, five untap and bringer during each other players on tap step. And then and bringer has three activated abilities. The first one is tap and bringer deals one damage to target creature or player. The second one is pay a colorless and tap target creature. Can't attack or block this turn. And the third one, the money one is pay colorless, colorless tap, draw a card. Um, I think you'll find that in a colorless deck, if you're paying two mana for a card, you're it's a steal. That's that's the <laughs> least amount you will ever pay for a card in colorless. And uh, and the fact that you can do it every turn, I mean, this is where things like uh, where victory chimes comes into play, Mike, because with victory chimes you can be drawing a card for one mana four times during a turn you can be locking down people's attackers and blockers you can be pinging stuff and bringer's a good value creature and i think people just overlook it because you need so much colorless mana to to use it but this card has a lot of value on it it does and and i like cards that say it's this much for this thing by the way, here are the three, four, five, six different things that you can do with mm-hmm. it. Big fan. Um, targeted effects are great. Tar- tar- any kind of untapped shenanigans, big fan of. Uh, this card has a lot of adaptability to the actual board state. For sure. Which is fantastic. And I also, I don't understand, just for the name Endbringer, people should use this card more often. It just sounds cool. And it's dirt cheap. Um, it's like a $2 card. It is. It is. Uh, it's it's very it's very good in this deck. Uh, what what else are we dealing with in card advantage? Because you you told you said it, and I'm looking at it. There's thirty plus cards here mm-hmm. to get you where you need to go. You'd think you that we would have no constantly. problem, right? You'd think that it would be easy. You have thirty card. It's not easy. You really have to plumb the depths here. The next one is is a group hug staple, Fonts of Mythos. Woo-hoo. What a great, great group hug card. This is a four-mana artifact. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player draws two cards. Um, so that's, for those who are counting at home, that's three cards. Because you draw... That's bigger Howling Mind. Yeah. This, this is, also this is super Howling Mind. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of funny that the theme of this card is like pain and punishment when this is one of the most powerful group hug draw effects in the game. Right. Like those who drink from Malfagor's cub are tainted with hunger and stained with lies. Uh, that might be true like later on, but right now I'm just giving you like a bunch of free cards. I don't know why you're complaining. <laughs> yeah, for the time being, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, you're not you're not punishing me for having extra cards. I don't understand the concern here, but okay. <laughs> I will say, if, if that's Malfagor's cup, uh, it's pretty spiky. I don't know if I would want to drink directly oh, from yeah. that. But I would like pour it into a nicer cup and then drink from that cup. Or do the awkward thing where like you hold the cup higher away like, from it into you to make direct contact. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm never able to pull that off. I'll just pour it on my face. I have a drinking problem. Well, that... No, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we talked about Karapur Orrery. How about Horn of Greed, another group hug staple? Yep. Horn of Greed, three mana artifact. Whenever a player plays a land, that player draws a card. Yeah, uh, this deck can play lands. It has, it has enough lands. And we also have other uh, effects like Karapur Orrery. You can play an additional land. And when you play that land, you draw another card. Um, now keep in mind this does not work when you put a land onto the battlefield. It's not landfall. Right. But this is good group of value. I like it. And you are immediately replacing that land with another card, which is just good value. No, it's, it's, it's very specific that we point out here in the actual column itself. We are talking about card advantage. Some of these are full-fledged. It's just card draw. But some of them are more on replacement and everything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Horn of Greed, yes, it's just it's just straight up card draw, on effect. So it's it, it it's very good. And again, there's so many more. There's so many more. Oh, there's so many more. Let's move to one of the the rare tutor effects in the deck, which is Koldaltha <gasps> Forge Master. Now, Col- Alex, mm- I'm offended. You're offended that I have. What two tutor effects on the entire deck? Two. two. Good lord, it's even worse than oh I thought. Oh my gosh! Well, the other one's even harder to use than this one. So, all right, fine. Kaldotha Forge Master is, is a five mana artifact creature construct. It's a three five. It has the activated ability: tap, sacrifice three artifacts, search your library for an artifact card, and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Yeah, so sacrificing three artifacts, that can include itself, and usually it does, because I don't want to I don't want to leave this on a board as, as as a threat. I'll get the thing that I want and I'll sacrifice this. And there's not that much recursion in this deck, so that usually calms people down a bit, but I'm I'm probably I'm probably going to find Geode Golem. And if I already have Geode Golem, I'm probably gonna find Metal Worker. That's why I don't have very many of these effects, because the things that I can find are so strong that it's almost unfair that I can find them. The next one we have here is uh, one that a lot of people pretty much just brush right off, right? Because it's it just doesn't seem good enough for most decks, but it's good enough for this deck, and that's Mind's Eye. Mind's Eye is a five-mana artifact that says whenever an opponent draws a card, you may pay one if you do draw a card. Now, I think that most decks would pretty much rather run just about anything before they would run this. But white decks, mono white decks, and colorless decks 
especially if you're of the uh, of the group hug persuasion and you're making other people draw <laughs> cards. One mana to draw a card is, I mean, I said earlier that two mana is the best rate you're going to get. How about one mana? Uh, that's that's quite fantastic. I'm I'm ready and willing to pay one mana. And again, I'm going to go back to victory chimes, which makes it zero mana once a turn. Um, it's it's good, but in in green, blue, black, and maybe even red, it's there's just it's more efficient ways enough. to do it. Yeah. yeah, because I I and I get that because you get into the it's not one mana to draw a card or zero mana when you do that. It's six mana to draw one. Mm-hmm. It's seven mana to draw two, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, how much yeah. do you have to? I mean, let's be honest. Though, no one's removing this, and you are going to get. You're going to draw a lot of cards off of this. No one's touching this thing. Like, oh my god, we got to get rid of that mind's eye. No. No one has ever said those words. That's that's not inherently true. Somebody has said those words, okay. but it's after mind's eye has, like, drawn 25 sure. cards. In a pretty short and amount of time. At that point, we're like, drawing 25 oh. for 30, which is pretty much as good as you can get. Tamiya's Journal is a five-mana artifact, legendary artifact, that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, investigate... And that means you put a colorless clue artifact token onto the battlefield, and it has the ability pay two and sack it, draw a card. Um, I'm I'm happy to do that. Number one, because there are cards in my deck that care about artifacts, and I can tap these artifacts to ramp and then sack them for mana and or sack them for drawing a card. Um, I mean, clues are just good value in this deck, but the the big the big money is is the Activated ability, which is tap and sacrifice three clues, search your library for a card and put that card into your hand and then shuffle your library. Now that that's a great effect, but it's really hard to get to because that takes four turns after you played a five mana card. It's the current turn and then three additional turns and then you have to hard cast it. So as far as tutors go, this is probably one of the weakest ones in the game. However, uh, while it's not tutoring, it's still generating value. I mean, this deck cares about there being more artifacts yeah. out onto the battlefield. It cares about effects that allow you to draw cards. It cares about the journal being an artifact in its own right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is not a super efficient or crazy powerful card in a vacuum. It just it synergizes really well with what you're trying to do with this deck. Our next card here in the in the card event. I do like this one. Tome of Legends. Tome of Legends is a two mana artifact that says Tome of Legends enters the battlefield with a page counter on it. Whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks, which may I remind you is something that is going to be happening pretty often in this deck put a page counter on Tome of Legends, and then you can pay one tap and remove a page counter and draw a card. Um, I cast my commander a lot yeah. in this deck, and I attack with her a lot. So getting page counters on this artifact is not a problem. And also being able to draw a card a for one mana is not a problem at all. I'm happy to do that. Um for for more aggressive decks, like if you have a if you have a white or red um, 
maybe a Voltron deck or, or an attacking deck where your commander is an attacking creature. This is some excellent, excellent value. Um, I think it really got overlooked. Yeah. This came out of Throne of Eldraine. I don't know why either, because it's, it's not, it's not such a strict, it's not, it's not a restriction to where people wouldn't be able to get benefit off of it fairly easily. It's not an expensive card. It's not Mm -hmm. an expensive cost, uh, and mana ability to draw a card and you cast your commander you attack with your commander a good portion of the time not just you just like commanders a lot of them mm-hmm. attack and it, it it comes with a page counter i don't i don't understand why this wasn't a uh yeah i mean right off the bat it's three mana draw a card which in white and colorless yeah i'll pay three mana for a card let's move on to another group hug staple and that's temple bell bong bong Temple Bell's a three mana artifact. Tap. Each player draws a card. Classic. Real simple. I, I think I have this in just about every group hug deck that it would be appropriate to play it in. Sure. It's it's just easy value. Um, you can tap it whenever you want to draw the card. For example, on your opponent's end step before your turn begins. Um, or if a player is, you know, digging for something they need and you say, hey, take another card. Uh, the fact that it's a zero mana card draw effect is something that you would only see in colorless if it were a group hug effect. And that's that's some of the value of group hug that we've been talking about. Um, I mean, I was, I was talking about how I'll pay three mana for a card. I'll happily pay two. And if I'm paying one, I'm ecstatic. How about paying zero? Not not a whole lot of uh, pushback on, yeah, no kidding. Uh, on that. Is, and again, a lot of that is our overall disposition for group hug. Mm-hmm. And much, much more of it is our overall disposition on I'm okay with helping everybody if I'm able to take advantage of it better than they can. And it, it It's a little risque. So we have here. one more. One more. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that's Will of Knowledge. This one is, this is a deep cut. Well of Knowledge is a three-mana artifact that says uh, on each player's draw step, that player may pay two any number of times and then draw that many cards. Um, when you're starting your turn and you have no plan because you have very few cards in hand or no cards in hand, I am happy to start to fill up my hand with two or three cards, pay four or six mana, other people are too. You want to draw an extra card, pay two mana. People don't tend to partake of this very much, but then later on in their, in their turn, they wish they had. Um, it just requires a little bit of a head planning. Have you played this card before, Mike? Uh, I haven't. Uh, and frankly, I think it's because I've... So most of the time when I'm doing big mana, and I, I think that this is a this qualifies as a big mana deck, mm-hmm. um, when I do big mana, I don't usually have to worry about card draw because my big mana decks aren't colorless. You know, they're that uh, they're almost always uh, including a good amount of green and a couple of other effects that say, okay, I'm just going to have as much mana as possible. And if I'm doing that, green has gotten a lot better at including a whole lot of card draw. So if I'm doing that on my own, I never really have to worry about it. However... I really like this card 
in the political and group hug sense. So it is something that I'm going to have to involve in a bunch of decks now just looking at it again and being confronted with the fact that I... People don't really know about this one. Yeah, it's a good card. I, I, I've seen it, and it's one of those things that I, I don't have running enough, so I think it just slipped my mind on how fun it would be to put into a So that, that wraps decks. up our card advantage category, Mike. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to talk about the rest of the actual set in this deck. Uh, we're going to talk about a few more of the group hug type effects. We're going to talk about how you protect yourself. And, I mean, we're going to get into the vegetables, but we've, we've still got plenty of dessert for everybody. So we will be right back. Hey, it's present Mike filling in for past Mike. Our audio has gotten so much better. Thanks for sticking around with us. So we're going to talk about some cards that are really underplayed. We each think that we're bringing some really interesting cards to the table, and if you want to grab them or any other cards, you can help us out in the process. We have partnered with TCGplayer.com, so if you're looking for any singles, sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, really anything to spice up your game experience, go to bit.ly slash EDH social, or click on the link in our show notes. You don't pay anything extra, and you'll really help us out by buying all the things you are going to anyway. That's bit.ly slash EDH social, or click the link in our show notes. Back to the show. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about the vegetables. Because, you know what? Those are important. They help you grow. Emmer Cool, very big girl. She she needs her vegetables so she can stay nice and strong. Alex, talk to me about some of the lands in this deck. Sure, Mike. Um... If you're looking at the deck list, one of the first things you would notice is just how many lands are in the deck. <laughs> yep. Not by not by sheer number, because there's 36. But typically when you're looking at a list of lands, that list is pretty short because you have a lot of duplicates. You got some basics right. of each different color that you're running. We don't have any colors in this deck. So we have four basics. We're running we're running four wastes. Um, and those are kind of a bit of a vestigial. Um, from back when this deck had more put basics into play, but it's still good to have basics just in case. So we have sure. four. We have four wastes. That's a basic land of taps for a colorless. Um, but let's get to the to the real juicy stuff because that mm-hmm. means there are thirty two utility lands in this deck. Now that's that's a privilege that is ill afforded to any any deck with colors in it because you have to have right. your fixing. But in this deck, in a colorless there deck, is no fixing. The sky's the <laughs> limit. You can put in all of your favorite utility lands, and indeed, I have. Let's let's talk about a, a couple of those. First, we have uh, Bazaar of Baghdad, which I proxied because this card is three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a little <laughs> expensive. Bazaar of Baghdad is is one of these spell lands we're talking about, right? We don't count that as as one of our lands because it doesn't tap for mana, and. Uh, Basically, it says, draw two, discard three, mm-hmm. which you're going negative one on cards, but in this deck, just being able to get more cards into your hand is is worth that value. I'm not telling anybody to go out and buy Bizarre Bad Dead. Uh, you're probably going to go broke trying. It's yeah, incredibly I'd expensive, hope not. but this is a proxy, <laughs> so yeah. It happens. I, I don't think anybody gets to give you a hard time for not having the looking it up on TCG player. Uh, $1,700 card. Okay, there you go. $1,700. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite expensive. 
Um, here's a here's another one that was released relatively recently. Blast Zone. Uh, Blast Zone is a land that enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. You can tap and add a colorless. It has the activated ability pay XX, tap, put X charge counters on Blast Zone, and then the ability pay three and sacrifice it and tap. Destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. So removal and colorless is very sparse. This is a very slow but deliberate way to get rid of something. And I haven't used it very often, but if there's something that needs to be getting rid of, this is one of the few ways you can do it. Um, and it's on a land, so it's very nice. We have uh, Buried Ruin here for some nice recursion. You can get an artifact card back to your hand. Cavern of Souls. People know this one. It's usually only in tribal decks. When Cavern of Souls enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, tap and add a colorless. Tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, spend it only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type, and that spell cannot be countered. So I'm choosing Eldrazi, even though Emrakul is basically the only one, just so Emrakul can't be countered. Um, and the interesting thing about countering Emrakul is that when you counter Emrakul, you're still getting mind-slaved, Mike, because that's yeah. a cast trigger. And if you stifle the cast trigger, you're still getting the 13-13 body. So it's really, really difficult to deal with Emrakul with counter magic. And this makes it even harder. Uh, we've got Deserted Temple, which is a nice one here. You can pay one and tap to untap target land. We have several lands here that make more than one mana, so that's a nice untapping effect. Um, Eldrazi Temple, of course. You can add two mana, spend it only on Eldrazi. Uh, Emergence Zone, you can pay one tap and sacrifice it to cast spells as though they have flash. Just a nice one-off effect there. Eye of Ugin is an interesting legendary land. It says colorless Eldrazi spells you cast cost two less to cast. And then it has an activated ability, pay seven, tap it, and search your library for a colorless creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. So I lied, there is a fourth tutor effect, but it costs <laughs> seven or eight mana. Right. Uh, but that's that's a mana cost that I'm often willing to pay to get a shiny robot boy. Um. <laughs> Field of the Dead. Uh, we have thirty-two lands with different names. Yeah. So we're making say, we're making good value off that. Pretty good synergy there. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Whenever uh, Field of the Dead or another land ETBs under your control, if you control seven or more lands with different names, make a two-two zombie. Uh, that's easy peasy with this deck. No problem at all. Um, we have Gary Reach Sanitarium. Legendary land, you can pay two and tap. Each player draws a card, then discards a card. Not technically card advantage since you're breaking even, but it's just getting more cards into your hand. Uh, Glacial Chasm we alluded to. Mike, this is one of my favorite lands ever of all time. Oh, it's very good. It's it's another one of those spell lands because it doesn't make mana, but its effect is, is oh so powerful. So it's a land that has cumulative upkeep, pay two life, which means that uh, the first turn after this comes out, you'll pay two. After that, you'll pay four, then six life, and it keeps increasing. When Glacial Chasm comes into play, sacrifice a land, which means it can't be the only land you have. You'll have to sacrifice it to itself. Creatures you control can't attack. Well, 
Most of the time, that's not really a problem. If it is a problem, I'll sacrifice the land to its cumulative upkeep cost so I can swing with Emrakul. Um, and then finally, finally, we get to the benefit. Uh, prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. Yeah, it's a pretty good benefit. <laughs> On a land, yeah. Yeah. It, it needs four downsides, right? Doesn't make mana, drains your life, sack a land with an ATBs, creatures you control can't attack. That's four downsides for the upside prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. Um, that means this deck doesn't have a lot of creatures, Mike. It has 10, including Emrakul. Blocking is not a strong suit of this deck. And if Emrakul's <laughs> not out, then it's going to be really difficult if somebody decides to go aggro on you. And that may be true for many non-creature decks. Glacial Chasm, it's, this is one of my pet cards. I, I love it so much. How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I I think... I think I didn't have any for a while because it was it wasn't like it, it wasn't a seventeen hundred dollar card like Bizarre Baghdad, but I do think no, it's that like a two dollar card. Yeah, I, th- I think there was a while there that it was more expensive than I was willing to pay for, and then I don't know if I if I just misunderstood or what happened, but it it got considerably in my price range all at once and went aha. I I I need several of these. <laughs> well, there is a more expensive one. It's from the vault. Uh, realms has a foil version that looks much nicer and that one is more expensive but the base version which looks pretty ugly uh it's from cold snap but it's cheap uh it's it's not expensive at all and i basically introduced this card to our store's meta single-handedly uh people (laughs) people loathe this card every aggro deck hates glacial chasm oh and that's Um, because that's because there are several decks that if you play that card and they're and you have a way to mitigate, you know, some of the cumulative upkeep. Just uh, okay. I, I cannot, I cannot win. I cannot beat this card because I cannot do damage to you, and that's what I have to do. And I don't have a way to get rid of it. You it's, don't even it's awesome. You don't even need to to mitigate the cumulative upkeep. Um, and I hope you'll forgive the aside here, but the the command zone had their stats episode, and th- and they concluded that roughly half of all games end through combat damage yep um, which to me intuitively makes sense that's almost certainly the most common game for way for a game to end sure uh so right off the bat you have a land that keeps you alive during 50 percent of all games yeah half of all games you're the last player alive against the aggro deck and they may not be able to win but you said you need to mitigate the cumulative upkeep cost. You don't. Because let's let's add this up. The first turn after this comes out, the, the zeroth turn after it comes out, it's nothing. So that's one turn sure. where you can't be attacked. The second turn you pay two life. It's a total of two on two turns. The next you pay four, that's six life across yeah. three turns. The next time you pay six life, that's 12 life across four turns. And the next turn you'll pay uh, eight life, that's 20 life across five turns. Let's say that's the most you're comfortably willing to pay is 20 life. So five turns, you have completely stalled out the aggro player for five turns at the cost of 20 life. They would have killed you. <laughs> they wouldn't have dealt 20. You would be dead. So this this land is is keeping you alive, and, and that's really all I have to say about it. I love this land so much, Mike. It's a great card. Um, Hall of the Bandit Lord. Hall of the Bandit yeah. Lord is a legendary land uh, that comes into play tapped. You tap it and pay three life. Add 
one to your mana pool. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, that creature has haste. <laughs> now, red has this effect, and it's it's much better. But if we want haste, we're using Hall of the Bandit Lord. And uh, if you'll recall, Emrakul has Flying Trample and Protection from Instant. How about mm. Flying Trample, Protection from Instant, and haste? Haste. Yeah. Uh, that's scary. Feels pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> and I'm willing to pay the three life. That's not an issue at all. That makes sense. Uh, this is a, a bit of an interesting one because you wouldn't expect to see it in this deck. But you have to read it very carefully here. This is Haven of the Spirit Dragon. Now, this is usually a deck that you would only see in a Dragon Tribal deck because it has right. tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast a Dragon Creature spell, which I don't have any of. But it has this. Pay two tap and sack it, return target dragon creature card or Ugin Planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. And I have two Ugins in this deck. Mm-hmm. And those two Ugins are pretty powerful. We haven't talked about Ugin the Spirit Dragon, but I assume many of you are familiar with it. Ugin the Spirit Dragon has a minus X loyalty ability, exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less that's one or more colors, and he enters with seven. So you can minus seven him and exile every CMC seven or less permanent on the battlefield that isn't yours and isn't an artifact. And then I can get him back. It's it's a valuable recursion effect. If you have a colorless deck that has an Ugin in it, I mean, usually we wouldn't encourage you, right, to run a card in your deck that only serves a couple of cards but when you have mm-hmm. this many utility land slots you're able right. to go a little bit you can silly, do it a you? little bit yeah 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 you can you can get into the weeds here uh we talked about high markets great stack outlet mm-hmm. homeward path yes homeward path when you have a commander of of this kind of nature like emrakul where she's so powerful and so delicious that everybody just wants to touch her and steal her and the blue player wants to take her and and use her to their own devices. Um, I don't really want that to happen. Because then I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, Homeward Path uh, has an activated ability. Tap. Each player gains control of all creatures they own. Which is pretty nice. And it's yep. not only for that situation. If you have an Insurrection, that's uh, zero mana. That's done. Not happening. Uh, mob Rule. Any effect that... Uh, Mind control. Any any uh, blue aura that enchants in a creature and steals it. Any red effect that steals a creature. Um, I mean, this comes up relatively often. People steal creatures, and this deck can't afford to lose its commander. If your deck cannot afford to lose its commander, you might want to consider running this one, just in case it gets stolen. No, it's uh, it's excellent card as far as... I mean, this deck knows the scariness that can be mind-slaving and mm-hmm. taking things that aren't yours. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, ah, I should have something to prevent that totally makes sense. Next one here is is a artifact staple land here. We have In- Inventor's Fair. Inventor's Fair is a legendary land that says at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more artifacts, you gain one life. Don't care about that. Tap and add a colorless. Don't care about that. Pay four and tap. Sacrifice Inventor's Fair. Search your library for an artifact card. Reveal it and put it into your hand. Shuffle your library. Activate this ability only if you control three or more artifacts. This is great. 
This is just a great tutor effect for five mana. You do have to stack it, but I mean, when you need that mana rock, when you need that piece, you can get it. And and I know that I continuously allude to finding the best cards in my deck. Often I don't. Often I'm not searching for for my Geode Golem um, just because I don't need to, to contest with anything. If somebody's getting way out ahead and I need to react to that, then yeah, I'll grab the big boy. But most of the time I'll, I'll grab a Blink Mothern. I'll grab a... I'll grab a, a Fonts of Mythos, something to draw me some cards, draw the table some cards. It's good stuff. Speaking of drawing cards, uh, Mikokuro, Center of the Sea. Yeah. We we talked about this card briefly in a previous episode. Legendary Land. Uh, it has a mana ability, and it has pay two and tap it. Each player draws a card. I just love this land, Mike. What a great, just <laughs> solid stalwart land. I love it. Yep. Draws you a card, two mana draws the table card for two mana it's Not it's like temple bell on a land yeah it's it's a it's a safer temple bell with mm-hmm. with a little bit of investment required okay mm-hmm. fine we talked about uh mirror in the morning well it's a sack outlet how about misha's workshop this is another card of proxy this is, card is several thousand dollars um this card is is the reason why the vintage artifact deck is named shops right (laughs) (laughs) because misha's workshop says tap add three colorless to your mana pool spend this mana only to cast artifact spells oh no (laughs) only artifact spells oh that's only like 50 percent of my deck what am i doing yeah this card's fantastic it's it's off the rails it's broken um (laughs) arguably probably the single most powerful land in the entire deck sure uh, proxy it though you can't you can't afford that one don't no. uh, don't try to buy it rogue's passage which has the mana ability and it has uh, pay four and tap target creature can't be blocked this turn well we talked about manifold key uh, this is on a land and yes it's usually going on emerald but if somebody else uh, maybe a uh, maybe a geo golem hmm yeah. Maybe make yeah. Geode Golem unblockable. <laughs> um, That's a good maybe way to make, it. Maybe if somebody else is trying to get combat damage through for, for a trigger, you can say, hey, I can force that to go through. That's a political deal right there. It it, it truly is. <laughs> it's a, hey, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do something fun. Let's work Absolutely. together here. We talked about Sanctum of Eternity. Bouncer Commander. Sanctum of Ugin. The other it has a mana ability, and the other Ugin Whenever you cast a colorless spell with converted mana cost seven or greater, I wonder if we have any of those. You may sacrifice Sanctum of Ugin. If you do, search your library for a colorless creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Hell yeah! I mean, you cast your <laughs> commander and grab grab an Endbringer, draw some cards. Um. I mean, yeah, there's only 10 creatures in the deck, but I usually know what I want to go for. Yeah, there's there's very specific situations for each of them to excel in. Absolutely. Scorch Ruins we talked about in a previous episode. Um, yep. And and I won't harp on it too much because it's fantastic, and we did talk about it. When Scorch Ruins ETBs uh, sacrifice two lands, uh, or you don't get it. <laughs> and then it says tap at four colorless. Uh, if, you, if you want to listen to me prattle on about this, 
I'm it's sure a very Mike good card. Knows the, a... the episode that we talked about it in. But yep. Wow, wow, wow. Is this a good card? Um, Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. This reminds me of another card. Uh, it has the mana ability. It also has tap at double colorless. Spend this mana only to cast colorless spells and only if you control seven or more lands. Um, this is this is like Temple of the False God, which I'm also running. And don't run that normally. Don't run <laughs> Temple of the False God normally. Only in this deck. Only in colorless decks. But this this is like Temple of the False Gods without the downside because it's never a dead land. You can it's always never tap nothing. It. Yeah. Right. But it also has a higher requirement. You have to have six other lands in play and this before you can use it. And then you can only use it on colorless spells. But you're only running this in a colorless deck and all of my spells are colorless. So that's not a problem at all. Temple of the False Gods, add double colorless only if you control five or more lands. We've talked about this. Um, this card is not good in, <laughs> in basically any deck. No, except that, no, in a colorless you, deck. You you were you were right at the beginning. This card is not good. Full stop. It's it's fine. It's okay. It's usable in a colorless <laughs> deck. Usable, Don't even try yes. it. Don't even try it in any other kind of deck. Okay, I, I yeah. will accept that. Yes. Okay. Um, we have Thespian Stage and Vesuva to copy lands. Thespian Stage has pay two and tap, and it becomes a copy of target land, and it has this ability. Whereas Vesuva enters the battlefield tapped as a copy of uh, any land in play. I have a lot of good lands that I would want to make copies of. And right. other people have good lands too and make copies of those. Lands are fun. That's uh, more the merrier. Throne of the High City. Talk about Monarch. Pay four tap and sacrifice it. You become the Monarch. Always nice. And that means you'll draw a card at the beginning of your end step. And uh, whenever a player deals combat damage to you... They become the monarch, so that's always good fun. Yeah, the glacial so, chasm, you're, you'll always be the monarch. <laughs> yes, you will always be the monarch. Uh, and that's drawing a card every turn. That's very nice. The final card that we'll talk about here is uh, Maze of Ith. This is another spell. Yeah! And Maze of Ith has got to be one of my favorite pet lands. Wow, do I just love this card. Uh it's a land with no mana ability, and it has tap, untap target attacking creature, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to and dealt by that creature this turn. It is so easy to completely spoil somebody else's plans. And if you have a creature deck and you're attacking, and it turns into an unfavorable matchup, like they triple block you, you can just pull your creature back. You can say, no, it's not going to deal damage, it's not going to be dealt damage. And it's untapped. Go home. <laughs> Go home. Mike, I, I get a feeling you're a fan of this card as well. I love Maze of Ith. It, it's, it's a... You know how we've talked about how if you have a counter spell in hand and everybody knows it, <laughs> and they don't exactly. cast stuff... Exactly. It means that the counter spell countered more than one spell without actually ever being cast. Maze of Ith is exactly like that. It will stop a whole bunch more than one creature attacking because it exists without actually having to do anything. Um, it is one of those cards where the only way that I think I ever feel bad about it is if the rest of the table says, okay, 
we all have to collectively attack him and think this out and make him decide what thing he is going to stop because exactly. we need that to be and, and I, I love cards like that maze exactly. is awesome and if they don't do that which they seldom do uh it's it's exactly as you said just the threat of being able to turn a creature back is enough for that creature to never attack in the first place which means that you got its effect for free without tapping it right and that then discourages the next player from attacking you because you'll just mm-hmm. turn their creature back and the next player and eventually people just get it in their head that you're going to turn their creature back and they stop attacking you yep and you're right unless they unless they form a coalition and decide to wipe you off the face of the earth which at that point I think your group hug strategy has failed. Right. It needs some more Garoppororis <laughs> in there. Um, then yeah, this this land, it only stops one attacking creature in practice. Uh, it attacks much more than that. It it really it, it's quite the land, and and that leads directly into our next category here, which is pillow fort. Yeah. You're, you're talking about the fact that there's not a lot of creatures in this deck. It doesn't do a whole lot of blocking so much mm-hmm. as, I guess, de-incentivize people from attacking you, more or less. So what are what are some of the ways that you're able to protect yourself playing this deck? Sure. Well, as I alluded to earlier, I think the biggest threat to this deck, Mike, is, is your Vandalblast effects like that. Um Board wipes that hit all artifacts or all non-land permanents are absolutely devastating to this deck. Um, I mean, it, the deck doesn't have a lot of recursions, so something like that can just set me back to zero. So one of our big, big protective effects here, it's a classic Dark Steel Forge. Mm-hmm. Dark Steel Forge is a nine-mana artifact that says artifacts you control have indestructible. And that will protect basically all of my non-land permanents. It won't protect Emrakul, but that's okay. Because I want to protect Emrakul. You want Emrakul to destroyed. die? Come back, yeah. Right. As as I'm quick to remind the table, if you destroy Emrakul, she will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and you don't want that to happen. So Darksteel Forge will protect all my ramp pieces and all that good stuff. It is nine mana. It is a lot. So it's it's more of a mid to late game effect. But it's it's worth it. It's, uh, I mean, you would play. Who's who's our mono white angel who protects? Goodness who gracious, protects. you know the one, Avison. Avison, thank you. Sorry, Avison, you just said protects, and I went, oh. Uh, she protects. What, what she attacks, and she burned the whole board. Uh, but mostly she mostly she protect. Yeah, this this is your Avison right here. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, and about the same mana cost too. Yeah. Our next Pillow Fort effect, we talked about Glacial Chasm. Great effect. We talked about Homeward Path, Maze of Ith. How about an effect that you normally wouldn't think of as a Pillow Fort effect? How about Mycosynth Lattice? Yeah. So Mycosynth... Yeah, go for it. I was... was, In in looking at the actual rundown of everything, I went, huh. This... Okay. I, I wasn't expecting it to be in that category, so... I was I was I was kind of wondering. Okay, talk to me, buddy. What's up here? Well, we were just talking like about board wipes. Uh-huh. And particularly so your Vandal Blast 
and any other uh, destroy non-land permanents, destroy artifacts, it's going to be so devastating to my deck that every other player is just going to kind of put up with it, right? It's yeah. like, okay, I'll lose, I'll lose three mana rocks, but you know, Alex is going to lose the entire game, so it's it's fine. Right. They're a lot less likely to put up with it if this is in play. Let's read Microsoft Lattice. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All sp- cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells, and permanents are colorless, and players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Um, now that second ability, all permanents are colorless, eh, don't really care about that. And players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. That's just a nice little mana fix and group hug effect for the table. Um, help up, help people out with their mana. But it's the first effect that we really care about. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. That means if anybody gets it in their head that they want to blow up all artifacts, they're going to destroy literally every permanent on the board, including lands. So they're a lot less likely to want to do that, Mike. And that's why I have it in the pillow fort category. Makes sense. Does that make more sense? Yeah, it's it's a you having your finger on the button. Exactly. And then and then you saying, you know what, fine, and walking away, and then putting their finger on the button and say, press it, I dare you. <laughs> said, oh, you can press it, but uh, we'll be here till three in the morning. Yeah. Pretty fantastic effect. Uh, really like that one. How about one that you really, maybe you haven't heard of this one, our dear listeners. How about Null Brooch? Null Brooch is a four mana artifact with the activated ability pay two tap and discard your hand. Counter target non-creature spell. Now that's a pretty steep of, uh, cost, right? Discard your hand. In in blue and in green and in black, you'd be like, oh, discard your hand. That's one with nothing. I don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, so after you get past that pain point of discarding your hand, which, as I've alluded to several times, despite having 30 draw effects in the deck, sometimes there's I not have, a whole lot of I cards. have zero cards in hand or <laughs> one or two, so that's not even that bad. Um, ignoring that, how about this? The second time you activate it, you discard zero cards because your hand is empty and people know that you have it and that you're willing to discard your not hand to do it. So just like having a counterspell up, this is a counterspell. It's going to counter more cards than it actually counters and getting a counterspell in colorless is not easy. This is one of the very few that exist. We got this one, and then we got this next one here, Warping Whale. Nobody expects the Warping Whale, Mike. <laughs> Nobody warp- expects the Spanish Inquisition. Or the Warping Whale. Or this the Warping Whale. <laughs> one in a colorless for an instance. Choose one. First option, exile target creature with power or toughness one or less. I've used that before. Not all the time. Third option, put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield with sacrifice this creature, add a colorless to your mana pool. Yeah, I've done that. Make an emergency blocker. Make a scream. Second, Second option, counter target sorcery spell. Mike, what's the uh, what's the strongest sorcery spell in the entire game? Oh boy, there's a bunch. Expropriate's a really gross one. How about, uh, how about most board wipes? You, you know what's a really bad one? 
I've heard Vandal Blast wouldn't do very good stuff for this deck. Yeah. <laughs> most most board wipes that would really hamper this deck are sorcery. at sorcery speed. Yep. Now, some of the best ones aren't, but most of them are. And most of the most powerful effects in the game, the ones that really swing, like Expropriate, like Insurrection, like uh, all of all of those really, really powerful effects, those are sorceries. And being able to counter a sorcery for two mana in Colorless is something that literally no one expects. When they see two islands held up, they're like, okay, and got and got a counter spell, we gotta be aware of that. When they say two utility lands on tap, they're like, What are you gonna do? Counter my spell? <laughs> yeah, oh. I think I will counter your yes, spell. Yes, I will. <laughs> I will. Yeah, fantastic. Nobody expects it. It's uh it's quite interesting. How about one of my favorite girls? in the entire game how about the soul of new phyrexia i i got a couple of these because of you she is a glorious creature six mana artifact creature avatar it's a six six with trample and she has two activated abilities the first one pay five permanence you control gain indestructible until end of turn i am a hundred percent on board with paying five mana to do that yep how about this one? People are sick of Sol and New Phyrexia. They blow up the board. Or they blow up Sol and New Phyrexia. Yeah, they Second get activated ability. They get rid of her. They don't like her. Pay five. Exile Sol of New Phyrexia from your graveyard. Permanence you control gain indestructible until end of turn. She's the ace in the hole. Even if they blow her up, they always forget. Just wait. Just wait two, three, four, five turns. People completely forget that she's that in your graveyard and yeah. she has an activated ability you can activate in your graveyard. They go to wipe your board and you say no. I love the Soul of New Phyrexia. We've hit we've hit this point a couple of times, but in another category, having a counterspell and everybody knowing you have a counterspell counters more spells than the exactly. actual counterspell does. Having a maze of it to stop something from attacking stops more things than attack from attacking than the thing that you're actually going to expect to attack. Exactly. Having, I will stop my stuff from being blown up on the board stops your board from being blown up more often than it would by itself. And you need to make people aware Yeah. that you can do that. That's, that's the power of those cards is that they need to know that their efforts will be futile and you need to tell them that, and then that may discourage them from even trying. It's I I, I love this card. Speaking of uh, speaking of Maze of Ith and cards sure. like this, how about Thaumatic Compass? Yeah, this is another one of my all time favorites. Thaumatic Compass is a two mana artifact. It's from Ixalan. It's a flip artifact, and on the front side it has uh, pay three and tap it. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. This is why I have a couple of basic land cards in my deck, just in case I'm missing my land drops and I have this kind of effect. It's it's just incidental. Uh, and then at the beginning of your end step, if you control seven or more lands, transform Thaumatic Compass. 
which means we'll turn it over to its back face, and it becomes Spires Verazka, which is a land. And it has a mana ability to tap and add a colorless to your mana pool, and it also has an activated ability, untap, uh, sorry, tap and untap target, attacking creature and opponent controls, and remove it from combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Maze of Ith's main downside, right, is that it's a spell land. It doesn't have a mana ability, which means that if you need mana, it's often hurting you more than it's helping you, even though it's a great effect. But so on Meta Compass, you got seven or more lands in play. You flip it, it ramps you immediately because it itself taps for mana. But also, now you have a second copy of Maze of Ith. Mike, you know what's scarier than having one Maze of Ith? <laughs> Two Mazes of Ith. That's fair. Yes. I get your Mirage adore this out. card. Get your, uh, get your Thespian stage out. Just have all oh, yes. the Iths. Oh, my yes. Oh, my yes. <laughs> what, a, what a great, great card. Um, let's go to the last one I want to talk about in this category. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is another bit of a sleeper. It actually got a reprint recently but nobody really pays this card in any mind mike and that's welding jar welding jar is a zero mana artifact which is always nice and it has a single ability sacrifice welding jar regenerate target artifact mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's really all you need to say if somebody tries to spot remove something that's very important to you say yeah. some kind of metal worker you can just say, uh, I'm going to regenerate it. And regenerate, as we've uh, perhaps gone over in the past, is a replacement effect. We think of it as a shield. And that shield says, uh, the next time that permanent would be destroyed this turn, instead, tap that permanent. Pretty fantastic stuff. It, it's it's helpful. To say the very least. <laughs> it's I, 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 I want to kill Wally. And, and Wally says no. There's too many ways to protect this, Wally. This is just like you were saying. This is another one of your Nev's Disc, Maze of Ith, yep. counterspell ready. Uh, this is the threat that prevents the attack from happening. Yep. I have to do that twice for it to happen once. So why even try? I'm already exactly defeated. Uh, we've, we've touched on... Some of the removal, uh, you know, the removal that you have in here is not a huge list. Um, all is dust. Um, oh, yes. That's, I think, we're going to call this the, the removal section, but we really just need to talk about all is dust being all awesome is for a bit. Dust. Now, it may sound like I have a, a bone to pick with the command zone, uh, <laughs> but when they said in their recent episode that all is dust isn't good enough anymore, I said, have you seen my deck? Yeah. Because in this deck, all this dust is a seven mana tribal sorcery Eldrazi that says each player sacrifices all colored permanents they control. Which means each player who isn't me sacrifices a lot. Everything they have except maybe their artifacts. And colored artifacts are getting pretty popular, so most of those yeah. too. Um, oh, oh, it's so good. This is a completely one-sided board wipe, and it blows people out. Well, and here's the other thing. There's a huge difference between 
destroy, bounce, exile, and sacrifice. Sacrifice. Let's talk about all of the cards that exist that stop people from making you sacrifice things. Mm, I can think of two. I've got one. So you go ahead. (laughs) I can think of my favorite such effect, and, and I believe it's one of your favorites as well. And that's a salt suit. Yep. And we're, we're going to talk on that real we're, hard. We're going to talk soon. on that. There's there's an angel. Sigarda. Sigarda. Thank you. That Sigarda's... was the one that I had. Perfect. So Sigarda prevents uh, opponents from making you sacrifice things. The but, end. That's but the <laughs> that's we, the we list. Can't run Sigarda because Sigarda <laughs> is in Selesnya, green and white. Right. Let's talk about let's talk about a salt suit. Oh, Alex. What I'm saying yes. is. All is dust, being what it is, unless yeah. I'm misreading. Oh, you can't, you can't stop it. Yeah, there is one card in yeah. Magic other than Assault Suit, which protects a thing. There is yeah. one card in Magic that says no to that effect. It's brutal. There it's, is, it's there ridiculous. is one more. There is one oh. more, and that's that's the Fair's protection. Oh, that's fair. Okay, fair yeah. enough. The Fair's protection. Uh, all permanents you control phase out. You're protected from everything. Your life total can't change. When permanents are phased out, you can't sacrifice them. That's fair. So it will protect you from all this dust. But aside from that, basically you got counter spells. That's all you can do. Yeah, you you stop the spell, not the effect. I don't care if your permanents are indestructible. <laughs> I don't care if your permanents have hexproof. Yep. I don't care if they have protection from colorless. Doesn't matter. They're you're going go- to the graveyard. <laughs> you're gonna put them there, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will sacrifice everything you have. Uh, All this dust is a brutal spell in any mm-hmm. colorless deck, and as far as I'm concerned, it's mandatory. Oh yeah, yeah. I we we can talk about the uh, the cards that aren't good enough anymore episode if if need be. But I I think you and I were on the same page for a yeah. lot of what they were saying. Yeah. Uh, we talked briefly about Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about his minus X. He also has a couple of other abilities, but the minus X is a big one, which again, you'll exile uh, all permanents, CMC extra list with one or more mana uh, right. colors, which is great. But he also has a plus two, um, which is that Ugin the Spirit Dragon deals three damage to target creature or player. That's fine. Uh, he also has a minus 10, which is you gain seven life, draw seven cards, put seven permanents from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, I don't really use the the plus two or the minus yeah, three very much. I, ha- I, I haven't. I'll use it as an all is dust, basically. Right, makes sense. Yeah, and it's a great, great all is dust because you can grab it with the uh, planar bridge. Yeah, always nice. Always nice. <laughs> um, yeah, we basically talked about. I only have four removal effects. I have all is dust. I have blast zone, the land, and I have the two ugans, old ugan and nugan. And uh, and warping whale can exile a CM uh, power over top of this one creature. Yeah, there's not a lot of removal that I'm running in colorless, and and that's more of a larger theme across my group hug decks. I typically tend to not run a large amount of removal, but mm-hmm. in, in colorless especially, options are are quite thin. There's not of this world, which is a seven mana exile target permanent, right? Eh, it's that's the kind of thing we were talking about at the start, right? It's too expensive, right? It, I, I'm not itching to run a seven mana remove target. There's nothing that I can think of that would be that scary 
Like, even a Blood Moon, what's it going to do? Turn all my utility lands off? I can still cast all my spells. Yeah. No, that's fair. It it also feels... It might, it might sound weird, but it almost feels counterintuitive to say, okay, I'm going to give everybody extra resources and extra cards and all of these things because I'm going to benefit the most out of them. And then put cards, uh, more cards in your deck than not that are, oh, I'm going to remove these threats all the time. Or I'm going to stop people from doing things when I am also enabling them to do things more than they normally would. So I, I've, I've noticed that, especially in my group hug decks as well, I don't have a ton of targeted removal or even just like across the board removal. That is the thing, though, with with a group hug deck. A lot of it is the carrot, mm-hmm. and part of it is the stick. Yeah, you need to have the carrot because that's that's group hug. That's that's the good stuff. Right. But you need to have the stick because not everybody wants the carrot, or they don't <laughs> think they want the carrot. They don't. Sure. They're like, I'm oh, not I hungry. I don't want that stuff. You're a group hug deck, and you can say, Hey, if you don't want that, I got something else for you. And they'll say, Okay, <laughs> I'll take the carrot. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it it really it it helps push the donkey in one direction you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely um control the game so that's that's really all i have for removal i don't run a lot of it what's uh i i think we can parlay here into into what we were just talking about and that's uh our group hug section which we've we've talked about most of the cards mm-hmm. in the group hug section like blink mothern but we haven't talked about assault suit <laughs> and assault suit is just so special in this deck First of all, because it's an equipment. Yep. And it's not a normal equipment like a sword where like you can imagine Emrakul holding a tiny sword, which is just uh, fantastic. But this is even better because it's a mech. Um, so you just imagine like trying to squeeze a creature the size of a city into a mech suit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a mech the size of a city and like that makes it even <laughs> scarier. I don't right. know how you're imagining it. Maybe one tentacle goes into the mech. I don't know. Um, I- and she'll like puppeteer it. I was thinking of like magic items in D and D, where you know what it 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 you attune to it. It it grows a little bit. It it fits you now. It's fine. She'll possess it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> assault suit is a four mana equipment that says equipped creature has plus two plus two and haste, and it can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and it can't be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Now this is very important because of the next ability. Which says, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn if you do untap it. And it has equipped three. Um, so that recontextualizes the first part, right? Because why would why would you be worried about like can't be sacrificed or can't attack you? It's because yeah. you're passing you're passing it around. And I'm not necessarily sure what Mike uses this card for. I think he uses it in quite a similar way to, to I do in perhaps in his in his Ruhan deck but oh yeah in in this deck 13 13 it becomes a 15 15 beater with flying and trample and haste and protection from instance and can't be sacrificed and can't attack me or my ugans um and as as your opponent's turn so you say hey um if I were to give you a 15-15 flample tentacle girl, <laughs> would you be willing to smack somebody in the face with it? And most of the time they say, hell yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> and with that, I can very quickly win the game with commander damage, which yeah. is the main goal of the deck. So, Mike, tell me what you like about Assault Suit. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit in our off time here. Assault Suit, the more I think about it, it's not my favorite card in Magic. But it is probably in like my top five, top three, just because of what you've already said. I love the idea of... I'm going to take my cool commander, I'm going to put it in this cool robot suit, and I am going to pass it around the board. <laughs> it's so much fun. Ruhan is, this is my favorite card, especially in the Ruhan deck, because nothing mm -hmm. makes me happier than, you know what is really fun for me to do? Roll a die and see who Ruhan's going to attack. You know what's more fun? Everybody getting to do that. Everybody, you get a Ruhan. You get a Ruhan. Everybody, I love Assault Suit. I love, it is the, as far as I'm concerned, it is the most group hug equipment that could be because it's literally, want to be friends? Okay. Here, here is a it's mech up daddy. There. There's Dowsing Dagger too. I know, but it's just so fun to give somebody a commander fun. for a bit. Yeah. And the more powerful <sighs> your commander is, the splashier your commander is. Yeah. Like Ruhan's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Emrakul's a 13-13. If you have a big, splashy commander, and your primary goal is to win through commander damage, maybe Swing you're a Voltron out. deck. Yeah. yeah. Assault Suit is one of your best options. Yeah. Because the commander damage rule tracks your commander. It doesn't track who's dealing the commander damage. If I pass it to Mike, and Mike swings it, Jamie, and deals 13 to her, and then on my turn, I deal 13 to Jamie. That's 26, and she's out. Sorry, Jamie. Sorry. I, I really I'm not like, that sorry, though. I really like the assault suit. I couldn't help it. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's just great. Um, fantastic card. One of our next cards that we that we didn't touch on. This is another uh, another great group bug effect. Otherworld Atlas. Mm-hmm. This is a four mana artifact with tap, put a charge counter in Otherworld Atlas, and then a second ability tap. Each player draws a card for each charge counter in Otherworld Atlas. So typically when I'm using this one, I'll uh, I'll build it up to two. Mm -hmm. That's typically where I'll put it. I'll, I'll bring it out, I'll tap it that turn. The next turn I'll tap it again. Then the third turn I'll have everybody draw two. Um, and I have enough artifact on tap effects that, that two is, is very nice. Sure. And... That's a powerful draw effect. That's that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of power I want in this deck, and gives cards to the table. You can it's like a temple bell, but it's a little bit powered up, right? Yeah, it, cost. It takes a little bit more effort, but it, mm -hmm. it it can it can be a much a much heavier effect pretty quickly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we talked about all of these. How about uh, how about Hollymine, the first group hug card ever printed? Yeah. Yeah. Hollymine's a two mana artifact. It says at the beginning of each player's draw step, if Hollymine is untapped, that player draws an additional card. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's there to be said? This is this is like an old friend. <laughs> it's it's the mainstay. Hollymine is just fantastic. Um, everybody loves a good Hollymine. It's it's. It's the uh, it's it's another one of those cards that when it hits the table, it's it doesn't get the oh, e even if the, oh. even if people know what your deck is trying to do, even if it's like a oh no, we're gonna uh, he's he's gonna get so many cards and then he's gonna do the stuff we've seen this a thousand times. 
I've never heard a groan at Howling Mine. I just have it. That's that's the great thing about Group Bug is, yes, everybody knows the game. Everyone knows the gamut. They know that later in the game, you're going to go for the throat because every deck goes for the throat. That's yeah. That's how you that's how you win. But until we get there, we're having a good time and we're making sure that your deck is finding the cards you need to make your deck work. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll find the cards you need to stop my deck from working. Who knows? But that's that's really part of the fun. When you have a commander this powerful, like Emrakul, this scary, mm-hmm. tempering her with a bunch of group hug effects is, I think, a really positive thing. And, and it really sort of defangs the deck, even though it is still quite a powerful deck. It's, it's extremely powerful, but... As as much as it's powerful because the commander is something that can do some really, really terrible things to people, mm-hmm. it's a really fun deck to play against. Even For though sure. it's... So people that like horror movies and people that like playing like the, you know, the, the, the psychological thriller kind of video games and stuff, mm-hmm. it feels like that effect when you're playing against this deck. Because there is this imminent dread that something terrible could happen. That Jason is going to bust through the door and come after you. Who's the monster going to get next? Right. But sometimes Jason busts through the door and then he gives you a cupcake because everything's okay. (laughs) And that's that's the scariest of all. And that's where you go, I'm uncomfortable, but I will eat this. Thank you. I'll take the cupcake. (laughs) Please don't hurt me. (laughs) I really like this deck. And I... So, here's here's the last thing I want to know. Then, how we've talked about mind slavery, we talked about how mind slaver works. Mm-hmm. Give me the what happens when somebody else controls your turn. How does that work from the judge's perspective? And I guess this is us actually transitioning into you know judge's corner. You know how mind slaver works because of this deck. You also know because the judge. So what are some of the weird interactions and how does Mindslaver actually work? Sure. Uh, so when we're talking about controlling another player, which is the formal uh, term for Mindslaver, you're going to make all choices and decisions that the control player is allowed to make or is told to make. So we've alluded to that directly with the commander Right, we have two rules okay. that affect how a commander moves between zones. The first one is a state-based action. When a commander uh, is in a graveyard or in exile and was uh, has entered that zone since the last time that state-based actions were checked, then its owner may choose to move it to the command zone. Um, And then the second one is, if a commander would enter a hand or a library, instead its owner may put it in the command zone. That's a replacement effect. Now, both of those are choices, decisions. And the the mind slaver, the, the puppet master controlling another player, makes those decisions. I choose if you put your commander in the command zone. I choose if you put your commander in exile. And that's that's a very powerful effect. Um, this includes choices about what to play, and decisions and modes for spells and abilities. It's 
how you use your resources, what abilities you activate for mana, how you pay costs, um, how many times you activate an ability. Mm-hmm. And there are really only... Uh, there are two limits on, on what you can do. And basically, if it isn't one of these two things, the sky's the limit. You can do anything. You can't concede. Right. On, on behalf of that player. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't call for a judge on behalf of that player. You can't do anything. You can't offer a draw on behalf of that player. You can't do anything that would be a outside-the-game action like that. You can't do that. Be a little bit too easy, right? Right. Everything has to be confined to the resources and decisions that you can make with those resources and the actual board state as a whole. The second thing, and this doesn't really come into play in Commander very much, but you can't look at cards that player owns outside of the game. Okay. So in in a competitive setting, that would be the sideboard. You cannot look at a player's sideboard. Um, Commander doesn't really have sideboards. We do have companions. Yes. So... If a if a player has a companion outside the game, and for some reason you can't see it, I'm I don't really know what situation that would happen in, but you wouldn't be able to see it. Now, when when I say outside the game, I'm not talking about exile because exile is a zone within the game. So, if a player has, for example, cards that are face down on the battlefield or face down in exile, uh, you as the player controlling that player are allowed to look at those cards at any time. As, as that player would be allowed to. Now, one one little fun piece of trivia that we brought up in our uh, in in another episode, or we will bring up depending on when this episode is released, is that if you're playing in, for example, a uh, commander variant or a game variant where there is more than one player on a team, we're mm-hmm. talking about two headed giant or arch enemy. Um, something of that nature. If you gain control of another player, you will gain control of that entire team. Got right? it. And that's that's pretty nasty. I've definitely done that one before. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, we can briefly here talk about some of the the uh, choices that you can make as a result of controlling a player. So we've talked about what you can do with their commander. We, we're, we're pretty comfortable on that. You can use a tutor effect or a fetch effect that that player controls. You can use a fetch a land or uh, any non-black tutor. Any tutor that says uh, search for a type of card like mystical tutor, find a instant or sorcery, or uh, worldly tutor, find a creature, right? Any, any tutor effect or fetch effect find a certain type of land. If you use that effect and you control that player, um, that player, and therefore you, always have the option to fail to find. Because it is always theoretically possible that th- there is no card that fulfills that requirement left Searcher, in, yeah. in, the, in the zone. It's a hidden zone, so it's possible that you would fail to find it. Search your land for a basic. Oh, well, I don't have any basics left, so I guess nothing happens. Exactly. Even if there are actually basics left in the library, you can still choose not to find one. That's right. that's always permitted. Um, and that's permitted even if you're not being mind-slaved. If, if you don't want to find a card from a tutor, you can say, I, I can't find it. Sure. And 
that's not against the rules. That's not lying. You're allowed to do that um, because it's a hidden zone. Mm-hmm. Our next option is uh, is involves modal spells and spells with with choices. So maybe you have a an X spell where you choose the value of X. Mm-hmm. On many of those spells, X can be zero. If it doesn't say that X can't be zero, X can be zero. Right. And that effectively will usually waste that spell, um, which is really nasty. But there's also, there's other options as well. When uh, when we talk about Phyrexian mana, we talk about uh, when, when you cast that spell, you'll choose whether you want to spend mana or life sure. for each of those Phyrexian pips. And naturally, you would choose life and, uh, and drain that player for a bit of life. This also goes for... Uh, for any different modes on a spell, like choose one or more, you can of course choose any of those modes, mm-hmm. and and do what you will. You can uh, you can counterspell that player's own spells. Yep. You put a spell on the stack. They have a counterspell in hand. Hold priority. Counter that spell. Um, you can of course choose to do that. These these things may seem trivially true and obvious, but it's it's worth reminding you that. You're allowed to sabotage yourself, and and thus a player controlling you is allowed to sabotage you. Oh and yeah, sabotage they will. Um, you can also target your own permanence and sacrifice your own permanence. If if the player you're controlling has a sacrifice outlet, you can choose to sacrifice any number of legal permanents to it, and that just gets really nasty. Um, there was a time they we have. Were, there was a time yeah, we were sitting at the table and you took over somebody's turn because they. I don't even remember what deck they were playing, but. It was not a friendly one. And you mind-slavered them, I think, on turn four, or right before it was going to turn into their turn five. And you looked at their hand and found a Pact of Negation in it. Oh, yeah. And then oh, it's yeah. just a, oh, yeah, he's going to win next turn if we don't stop him. Can somebody cast a spell so I can counter it and, <laughs> and get him out of the game? Like, um, I path to exile my veteran explorer no pact of negation cool all right you can have your turn now and then he took his turn good luck spending five mana you don't have next turn yeah it's one of those things where it's like oh that's really really rough and then i think i think he he said well i mean that's fair here's my hand and i went oh ah, ah." i remember exactly (laughs) which deck that was mike that was a jingataxius deck oh that's right it was one of those he sat down and i went oh no it's just a Jingataxius deck, and I yeah. said, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's no such thing as just a Jingataxius deck. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's a group hug Jingataxius deck. <laughs> <laughs> Jingataxius is a Praetor. I think it's seven blue-blue uh, for a legendary creature Praetor that says uh, at the beginning of your end step, draw seven cards, you have no maximum hand size, and each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven. Yup. Which means that unless you have an effect that increases your hand size, like Reliquary Tower, then your hand size is going to be zero. Which means at the end of your turn, you'll discard your hand. Yep. And that's not fun. Nobody likes it's, that. It's it's not great. So it, when when you're worried about, oh man, I don't know if I like this Emmer Cool group hug thing. Remember like, that eh. Jenga Taxius decks exist. Yep. So don't worry. Everything yeah. is some form of terrible all the time. <laughs> so one last point before we wrap up here we sure. we talked briefly about how Emrakul wins she wins by swinging through yeah what if Emrakul doesn't swing through 
right? What if she gets exiled and stolen and mm-hmm. and I can't I can't use her anymore? What if they have a uh, a glacial chasm? Yeah, right? yeah. What then? Well, we're gonna probably have to wait for the glacial chasm to run out, and during that time, they can do a lot of stuff to Emrakul. Sure. Uh, so we need to have we need to have another option, and that option is mirror incubator which we talked about <laughs> yeah uh, or we will talk about depending on which episode is released first mirror incubator is a deliciously janky win con for this deck and it's a six mana artifact that has an activated ability pay six and tap it and sacrifice it search your library for any number of artifact cards exile them and then put that many one one mirror artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield um so, yeah, at the point that I'm casting this in the game, there's probably... I'm starting out with about 50 to 60 artifacts in the deck. At this point, there's probably 30 to 40 artifacts left in the deck. So, for 12 mana, I'm making anywhere between 20 and 40 creatures. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talked about this, this is kind of a Hail Mary, right? But I'm not normally using this. This is the last resort. Sure. Um and and that's important for you to for your deck to have a last resort, right? Because if Emrakul gets locked down, if she gets imprisoned in the moon, which is by far the most flavorful way to lock down an Emrakul, um, which is two and a blue for uh, enchant target uh, creature, planeswalker, or land, and right. that enchanted permanent is a uh, colorless land with tap at a colorless mana, and of course. In the, in the story, the way that Emrakul ends up being quote-unquote defeated is that she possesses Tamiyo and imprisons herself in the Moon of Innistrad, mm-hmm. um, which is the creepiest note of all, right? What's she doing oh, yeah. up there? Yeah, what's... what's Why does she want to be in the moon? Yeah, what, what's she doing up there, buddy? Yeah, so that's the Emrakul deck, Mike. Um, this, this deck is... Average CMC 3.61. Which is surprising. Surprisingly lean. Yeah. Considering there's a 13 CMC card in it, but that's only one card. Well, uh, but, but 100% considering... 100% of the cards are colorless. Considering a 13, you know, CMC commander, and then the Ugins and the Darksteel Forge, like, there's a lot of really heavy, heavy-handed yeah. CMCs. But, oh, yeah. like you said, there's a whole bunch of real cheap zeros artifacts. And, ones. and zeros yeah. and, yep. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. I would I mean I'm looking at the curve right now. It goes up to four and it gets pretty up there in four. We have fifteen that are at four, we have thirteen at three, twelve at two, and at one and zero we have eight. But once we get past four, it's really falling off. At five we only have six cards CMC five, six cards CMC six, seven, eight, and nine we only have one each, and of course thirteen we have one. So when we talk about you know, balancing your mana curve, and, and you might hear other content creators saying you shouldn't run, you know, that many effects that are seven mana or above. You can still run those effects, and I do. I have four of them. And that doesn't make my deck any less fun to, to restrict myself. And, and as you can see, we have these expensive effects, but the deck is still sub four CMC, which is quite lean for a deck like this. Um, Mike, how do, how do you feel about this deck overall? I, again, it is a it is a terrifying adventure that is both thrilling and 
disconcerting <laughs> just about all times. It's an enigma as vexing as life itself. Yep. Um, yeah. No, that actually, that, that suits it. I, I like playing with it. I, I like I, I like when we sit down and this is a car or this is the deck that you bring out because I know, right? Again, my my favorite thing about this deck is the amount of ambiguity it has. It's not a. It's not a deck where even though there are you know a couple of tutors in there, and there are a couple of cards in there, it is a. Oh, there are fifteen different ways. That I'm going to try and do something. And then I'm going to try and take somebody's turn. And when I take their turn, I'm going to try and do a bunch of different stuff with their turn. There is no blueprint that you follow every time other than, well, I want to cast my commander. And that's most decks. So the amount of games that I've played with this that aren't repeat uh, performances, I really liked this deck. And I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to share it with everybody. I'm really happy to, to be able to share it with people. I'm proud to say this is a very unique deck. People mm-hmm. don't make Emrakul group hug decks. People don't really make colorless group hug decks, but there are some of them. Um, if you're if you're looking to build this deck, please proxy it. Uh, the price tag on this is about three to seven thousand dollars. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's I a didn't chunk spend change. that much. I did not <laughs> spend that much. Sure. I proxied Mishra's. I proxied Bazaar. Um, I proxied Ugin. And many of the rest of them, like uh, Mox Opal and Mana Crypts, those are judge promos, so I didn't pay for them. Right. And the commander herself is not cheap either. It's a $40 commander. Yeah. Um, so please, please proxy. Do not spend $7,000 on this deck. And we're going to go ahead and make sure that deck is linked in the show notes for you all yep. to check it out. We'll put the tapped out in there uh, so yep. everybody can take a look and get an idea and make their own make something similar uh and feel free to comment and have fun with the promised hugs uh, like thank hugs. you for letting me share this deck with with you and the listeners absolutely alex that'll do it for us this week everyone if you enjoyed our conversation please subscribe and rate the podcast if you have any questions or comments for us follow us on twitter at edh underscore social or email us at the social contract edh at gmail.com Until then, I say get all of the spikes out of your life. Start hanging with the group hug Johnnies, okay? Talk to you next week.